work. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you remember you come tonight, bring those albums and uh, bring, uh, bring the covers and the albums inside. <laughs> Amen. My brother used to take these uh, record albums out of the library and, and uh, bring them back, but he would have pulled the, the album out and put in Mary Poppins or something and then brought that back. And uh, we don't want any of that, okay? You'll bring your posters. And tonight, uh, uh, Brother Reed has a sermon that will uh, set you free. Amen. He's ministered in a number of churches. I was just talking to Mark Olson uh, yesterday and uh, had a tremendous time, ministered that sermon and a revival with them. And so you be here. We're going to have an excellent time. Exodus chapter 27. Turning in your Bibles, we're doing a uh, series on the tabernacle. Um, we've... Uh, arrived at some conclusions that God uh, was saying something in the construction of the tabernacle. It seemed to me the most uh, intriguing thing that such minute detail is given to the tabernacle. The, the life of Jesus from the time he was uh, born or two years old to the time he was 12 or the... Uh, till the time he was 30, is given scant uh, two or three verses, uh, one small part of a chapter, and yet uh, uh, how a, a linen fence is to be held up is given all kinds of space in the Word of God. And each little hook and each little bar and each little uh, uh, type of cloth and material and in the economy of God with a Bible that uh, that we've got to make sure that we can still carry to church. Uh, it's got to be somehow a little economy of words and yet all this space is given to the tabernacle. Well, God didn't want to just uh, uh, speak that and use that space and use that revelation and just have it stop with the coming of the Lord Jesus. But there are truths that God was giving about His unchanging nature his unchanging purposes uh, that you and I can glean from even today. And so, uh, just with uh, a desire to get through this morning, we want to uh, move quickly uh, into the, the subject for the morning. But last week we talked about uh, the linen fence. And the linen fence is a thing that surrounds the tabernacle. And uh, this thing right here, the, we've got the tabernacle itself, the labor, the thing, the gate. And uh, can anybody tell me uh, how this uh, fence is constructed? Anybody remember how, what the construction of that is? Dwayne? Okay, so it's... Uh, and what is the fence itself made out of? Okay, so we've got a fence that is made out of uh, linen, fine linen, and it is held up by uh, pillars that are made of wood in sockets of brass with caps, chapters uh, of, of silver. And uh, this linen fence... Uh, what uh, what's the impact 
that, uh, that uh, coming to that linen fence would have on uh, someone. Okay. And what does that mean in, in reference to the tabernacle? About having fellowship with God. Okay, so man's problem is not lack of knowledge about God. His problem is not that he dwells in a, in a three-dimensional world and, and God dwells in, uh, outside of the three dimensions, that, uh, that uh, we need uh, uh, ritual and other things. The, the problem that you and I have in approaching to God is a moral problem. There's a moral chasm that exists between us that makes uh, the fact that his mind is, is uh, greater than ours, that his, uh, that his being is greater than ours, and all those other things, uh, all those things pale in significance compared to the fact uh, that there is a moral chasm that exists between us, a moral barrier, and that's the first thing that we're confronted with. Now, is this uh, uh, symbolic then of the law, that if uh, the standard of the law, if we can somehow keep the law, that we can, uh, we can get through this? Uh, gates, uh, this uh, fence somehow. What is, uh, what's the standard uh, that holds up this righteousness? Okay, it's, the, it's talking about uh, uh, Jesus Christ and how, uh, how do we know that? What are the, what are the um, uh, symbols here? Dwayne? Okay. Uh, silver is redemption. Okay. So we have a man who is judged for our redemption. And this is the one who's holding up. So the standard is not how well you keep the Ten Commandments. Do you keep the Ten Commandments better than somebody else? The, the real issue is how do you compare with a man that was judged for our redemption? How do you compare with a righteousness of Jesus Christ. And if you uh, fall short, uh, and if you cannot uh, uh, be equal to that righteousness, then you've got a problem. You've got a problem uh, in terms of having fellowship with God. Okay, we just let that suffice before we move on, because the real significance of the fence is not just the fence itself. but it is the thing that we have right here which is called the gate. Someone read uh, Exodus 27, 9 uh, through 16. Rod. Okay. Verse 16, And for the gate of the court shall be an hanging of twenty cubits of blue and purple and scarlet fine twined linen wrought with needlework and their pillars shall be four and their sockets shall be four. Okay, so there is we have a problem. We look and we travel all around 
And all we find is the righteousness of God that is held up before us. We don't, uh, we see no way that we can, uh, come to fellowship with God there apparently because uh, our righteousness falls short of the glory of God. There is no way that we can, uh, get in. But God, hallelujah, has provided a gate. God has provided a way of access. God has provided one way of access, and only one. This, there's no other way in. You must come through the gate. Now, this gate is made of uh, some things. It's made of uh, blue. It's made of purple. made of scarlet and again some linen this entryway this gate is made of these particular things they didn't I just throw up some tarp or just uh, uh, you know just put some uh, uh, swinging doors or uh, there was a, a specific combination that God wanted to have, and uh, uh, there is reasons for each one of these things that uh, tells us uh, the meaning of this gate. I need some scriptures. Exodus 24, 9 and 10, someone over here. Uh, Dave Cassio, George Shields, John 1, 14. I had another hand. Uh, Lee Orient, uh, John 6, 58. Uh, somebody else over there, Mark Hamilton. Uh, John 13, 3 and 4, and uh, Bob Corsi, Psalm 19, 1. Okay, blue speaks of heaven. It speaks of deity. As we'll see, if you are uh, uh, in just our normal uh, flow of, of life the, in looking at nature, the thing that uh, we would identify with God as we look to the heavens is the blue, the blue sky, the, uh, in terms of the relationship of God to us, uh, that that's uh, His dwelling place, is in the blue, in the sky, in the heavens, uh, and this is uh, the understanding that was there. But let's look at some scriptures as it relates to this. Exodus 24, 9 and 10. Okay, who knows, what color is the sapphire? Blue, okay, good. And so this is, a, here's God, here's the throne, and the sapphire, this is blue. John 1, 14. Okay, so before we look at Psalm 19, 1, this, uh, this blue uh, gate, the blue aspects of this gate have to do with heaven, have to do with deity, the throne of God, the uh, dwelling place of God. And so this uh, gate uh, refers to something that comes from heaven, that, has, uh, that is, is God, is deity. And so we have the, uh, the understanding that Jesus came from God. He's a bread that came down from heaven, that he came from the Father, and he must return to the Father. And so the, here we have the revelation there, Psalm 19.1. Okay, the interesting, the word declare there comes from the same word, the same root word as the sapphire. 
Okay, the, the heavens are the, are the sapphire of God. The heavens uh, uh, show forth uh, the glory of God. Now, what is, before we look at some scriptures, what does purple usually refer to? Royalty, okay? Uh, this is a standard throughout time uh, that uh, this has always uh, referred to royalty. Judges 8.26, someone in the middle here? Uh, Sister Tarwater, uh, Luke 16, 19, someone? John Staples, and Mark 15, 17, and 18, Randy Foster. Okay, so we're, this, uh, we're talking about this gate now, the identity of this gate. This is the way, this is the entrance, this is the only way. It has to do with deity, it has to do with royalty. Uh, do, you, do you have those scriptures? Judges 8, 26. purple robes that were on the kings of uh, whoever. Luke 16, 19. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mark 15, 17, and 18. Okay, here's the mocking of the Lord Jesus, and so he his claim to be king. So they put a purple robe and put a crown of thorns. They're mocking him and mocking his kingship, and so we have royalty there. Now, scarlet uh, does refer to atonement, and uh, if we could find uh Hebrews, I've got a bunch of scriptures here, but we need to move on. Hebrews 9.22, uh, Mike Elsis and Sam Atkinson, if you could find Leviticus 14.4 through 7. Uh, and then I need someone to over here. Someone find Romans 15.19. Romans 15.19. Bill Hunt. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.45. Mick Woodcock. So we have Scarlet that uh, has a sense of atonement and we want to look at that for just uh, uh, just a couple of quick scriptures Hebrews 9.22 okay blood red atonement remission of sins uh, Leviticus 14 4 through 7 okay there we have, uh, this is the thing for the cleansing of a leper, and it has to do with the uh, atonement of that and the cleansing, an offering of scarlet. So we, we have an understanding that this is involved, but there is another thing that has to do with scarlet or that has to do with red, and this has to do, it's a picture of man. Does anybody know what, uh, where we get the, the name Adam? Adam. Red earth. Okay, and so we have uh, Adam made from the clay. He's called Adam, red earth. Uh, you remember uh, Esau uh, became Edom, that, uh, the nation of Edom that had to do uh, with red. And uh, we have a picture of, uh, of, uh, of earth, of man that is identified with 
this red. I believe that it's uh, Canaan uh, itself, the land itself, that word uh, refers to red. And uh, so we have uh, a dealing with earth and identity with man. Uh, so let's look at Romans 15, 19. I'm sorry, my fault. Romans 5.19. 1 Corinthians 15.45. My fault. Okay, so we have Jesus is the second Adam. He's the last Adam. This is the identity of Jesus with humanity. That Jesus is made man. Uh, do you have 5.19? Okay, here's a picture of the first and the second Adam, the transgression of one, all men die, the, the righteousness of another made it possible for men to live. And so we have a picture of scarlet. We can, uh, we can look at it in the sense of the atonement. But I believe the major thought here is, a, is an identity with man. And so this... Uh, this uh, uh, read in the in the gate, I believe speaks firstly about an identity of a man. Now it's really interesting that uh, that we uh, get this purple from the joining of blue and red. That as Jesus was both red man and blue deity, those colors together form purple. That this is the identity of Jesus Christ, the God-man, the God becoming man, and uh, in the in the Hebrew mind, there these things. This is subliminal uh, suggestion <laughs> that uh, I knew you would come <laughs> when uh, in their minds that joining of the purple and uh, the scarlet. Uh, I'm sorry, the blue and uh, the scarlet. And if, I, if I'm not mistaken, this is where, this is how uh, purple became identified with kings in the first place, that uh, the divine right of kings, uh, uh, the, the man uh, functioning and in ruling in the place of God. And I believe that that's even where the purple became identified with royalty. And obviously we've seen that uh, l the linen has to do with righteousness. And so this is the this is the flawless character that uh, this one will possess. So the the only gate, the only way. It's not a, a book of commandments. It's not a, a church membership. It's not some ritual. It's not a, a baptism. It's a, none of these things. Confirmation. The uh, the way in is a person. There's only one way in, and that is the God-man, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one with a righteous and flawless character. It's only through Him that we can enter. Here is His righteousness held up all about us, but through Him we can have, we can enter in to the presence of God. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Someone quickly. Uh, Brother Dennis. 
And uh, John 10, 1 through 9. Someone else we haven't heard from? Brother Bronson. Okay. As we, this is the, what we were trying to back off from dealing with last time. We it, uh, obviously the the barrier of of righteousness and the presence of a gate. Uh, we constantly brings us back to the understanding that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way to God. Matthew seven thirteen and fourteen. Praise the Lord. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. John 10, 1 through 9. Praise the Lord. What are some other scriptures that uh, tell us that Jesus is the only way? Okay, John uh, 14, 6, I believe it is. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Okay, uh, Acts 4, 12. There, there is none other name given under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. I'm, I'm sure I get that wrong. I always do. But it, it's the only name. There's only one way to... Uh, to God, there is not uh, many roads up the mountain. Not all roads uh, lead to what we're, uh, what we need in God. And as we talked about last week, that this is the upsetting thing about our message. The upsetting thing about our message is not that Jesus is wonderful and and Jesus is uh, uh, a great way to get to God. The thing that upsets people is when we say, "No, He's the only way to get to God." Brother Tarwater. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so that there's the, the picture again that we have. There's one way and only one way. Now, what's the... This is uh, something that we're going to maybe get a little theological here. But we're talking about uh, that... Okay, now we enter through the gate, through the Lord Jesus. And when we enter through... Jesus, now you and I are, instead of that righteousness being a barrier that separates us from God, now we are surrounded by righteousness. Surrounded by our righteousness? No, we're surrounded by His righteousness. That remember, this is a, the righteousness of a man. This isn't the righteousness of the law. This is the righteousness of a man who, yes, fulfilled the law. But the moment that we enter in by faith in Jesus Christ, then you and I are surrounded by His righteousness. That you and I then have the experience of what we call imputed righteousness, where it is not merely that uh, that our sins are washed away and that we are uh, a spiritual zero, but we are actually surrounded by the righteousness of God. That in our lives and in our identity with God, that you and I are surrounded by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
Romans 3, uh, 20 through 28. It's a long passage someone can find for us. Uh, Brother Renz. Uh, okay. And then uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Was there a hand here, Brother Randy? And then Sister Mayotte, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. Okay, we're talking about an experience of imputed righteousness. Or the fact that when we enter, there's a, there's a transferal. When you and I enter through Jesus Christ, then we receive His righteousness. And now our standing before God is the righteousness of God. Last night, Brother Adam says, don't you know that, that we are now the righteousness of God? And everybody went, well, they didn't know that that was true. But that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 or 21, one of those two. That what happens when we come to Jesus is that on our account is now the righteousness of God. That uh, uh, picture it, uh, uh, your file down at the uh, the Prescott uh, uh, Yavapai County Jail, and uh, there's your file in there. They open the the file cabinet to get your file. They're walking back further and further. There's your file full of all the things that you've ever done. Well, in Jesus, not simply are all those things taken and thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. But upon your file, right there, now in gold letters, is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not only that you're just forgiven, but on your account is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, that's exciting stuff. That means we're right with God. That means that, that uh, we've, been made, uh, we've been made able to have relationship and fellowship with Him. Okay, Romans three twenty through twenty eight. Okay, the, to be just and the justifier of them that come to Jesus by faith. That when we come to Him, we're justified. We're made right with God. Not only just as if I had never sinned. That's that's wonderful. But it goes beyond that. It's that on my account now is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. See, when we enter this gate, we have a union with Jesus. When we enter by faith in Jesus, we are united with Him. We become one with Him, and what is His is ours. His righteousness now is given to us. There is a union of experience. When we enter into Jesus Christ, we become one with Him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.17 Joined to the Lord. Joined to the Lord. We're, we're the body of Christ as an assembly, but each individual, we are joined to the Lord, and what is His in terms of righteousness is ours. 
And we stand before God in the righteousness of God. Second Peter 1, 2 through 4. Okay. Partakers of the divine nature. That we experience the nature of God. When we get saved, getting saved is not just fulfilling a bunch of Rules. It is not simply a uh, uh, living out uh, the uh, Ten Commandments. It's not simply going to church and, and acting uh, somehow uh, holier than you used to act. But salvation is a miracle that where we experience the a miracle Jesus comes into our hearts, we are joined to Jesus Christ, we become partakers of His very nature. And to live for Jesus means to let that nature express itself. And we live by a power that is not our own, power that's given to us that the person of Jesus Christ begins to be expressed through our lives. So you can't fake that. You can't pretend that. That's a, that's a miracle of God. Partakers of the divine nature. That His nature becomes one with ours. See, this gate was high enough so that nobody could see over. Nobody could see into this unless they passed through the gate. Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless we have this experience with Jesus, unless we are born again, we cannot experience this righteousness of God. And our own righteousness is as filthy rags. Isaiah 61.10. Isaiah 61.10. Uh, Dave Cassio, Bob Corsi, 2 Corinthians 5.21, and someone else, Romans 5.19. Uh, Dennis. Okay, let's, uh, let's get these. And uh, someone find me Titus 2, 11 through 14. Sam Atkinson. Okay. Just, we're just going to close quickly with some of these thoughts here. Uh, we're talking about this, Isaiah 61.10. Okay. God has adorned me with a robe of righteousness that in my standing before God... Now, know how how we live, and we're going to talk about that. But our standing before God when we uh, come to Jesus Christ by faith is that we're clothed with the robes of righteousness that He gives us. This is not... When we come to the altar and pray, that's not the thing that says, well, that was a righteous act. And so, because you did that righteous thing, then uh, now you're right with God. This isn't a righteous thing to do in the sense that it can justify us before God. It's the right thing to do. But the thing that happens to us there is that God clothes us with His righteousness. That we enter into the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so our standing before Him is not us in our filthy rags cowering in some corner of the kingdom, but that there is a, there is a boldness now that we can enter into the very presence of God because we have been clothed with His righteousness. See, that whole, that whole uh, uh, verse in Hebrews has to do with this very thing that we're talking about. 
Therefore, I enter boldly under the throne of grace to find help in time of need. And this is why we can do this. It's because we've been clothed with the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians 5.21 Now, that's a powerful statement. God's righteousness. We can't comprehend the righteousness of God and that we are made that. Wouldn't it be wonderful that all that happened was that our sins were washed away? But the fact is, before God, we have a standing now because we've entered into His righteousness. Hallelujah. Uh, Romans 5.19, we read before, I believe. Let's look at it again. Okay, made righteous. So do, you, do we understand that our standing before God doesn't depend on the works of our flesh. It doesn't depend upon all the things that, that we try and do with our own human ability. But we are given righteousness. We are made righteous. We are clothed with righteousness. This is something that Jesus does for us. We can't have fellowship. We're filthy, our, uh, sinful, ungodly, uh, vile imaginations, all kinds of corrupt uh, motives and all the rest. Uh, and uh, here we come to Jesus, pass through Him, and we're clothed and made righteous before God. We can have a relationship with God. Brother? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I, I believe uh, so. You know, different types for different things, but we're a, a kingdom of priests. Uh, we're, a, uh, we're there's a there's an aspect of kingship. There's an aspect of priesthood, an aspect of of a prophet that each one fulfills in terms of their uh, relationship with God. That's good. Yeah. That Right. Excellent. What they another way that they do that? Oop. Sister, I'm sorry. <laughs> um uh some have said uh that uh, it's also uh you've got the blue, you've got the uh purple, uh you've got the uh you've got the red and you've got the white. And uh, that each of these refer to a different one of the Gospels that refer to a different one of the nature. That we have John uh, as the Son of God. We have uh, Matthew as the, uh, uh, as the uh, King, the coming Messiah. We've got Mark that is the Son of Man, the Red. And uh, I'm sorry, not, not Luke as the Son of Man. And then uh, the Mark... As the uh, as the servant, the the uh, servant of God, and so these uh, uh, this also could well refer to, like you said, the prophet, priest, and king. Excellent thought.
I didn't uh, I didn't go into that except to say that there is uh, in the that the needlework had to do with a beauty that was there and this is a beautiful gate it's a beautiful thing and uh, and Jesus uh, in who he is is that's a that's a beautiful thing the son of God I'm not just an outward thing we know uh, he had no form of comeliness but the uh, I'm talking about the character just like that transfiguration that Jesus in who he is is beautiful and it is and it attracts the sinner see I'm going to talk this morning Jesus was the most righteous man that ever lived and yet he attracted sinners by the droves there is something about him that attracted sinners not just an outward thing but uh, attracted sinners Good. Tony? Yeah, well, it, this is, again, purple. Uh, we're talking about a uh, deity. We're talking about rulership. And this is what it's talking about. It's talking about the whore. It's talking about the influence that she possesses over the red, over the people of the earth. And uh, so this is it. It's not a picture of, of Jesus, just like... Ahab wearing a, you know a purple robe doesn't mean that that he's Jesus it's it just that's part of, of uh, it applies to Jesus in the sense of of uh, kingship but it also applies to anyone that that's king sister yes though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as uh, lamb's wool and uh, uh, this is uh, a picture that's an atonement picture that this when uh, that those scarlet sins uh, are canceled out by the by the atonement uh, uh, that uh, that is brought to them good sister okay good good anybody else see one thing that we're we're not proving doctrine by the tabernacle we're finding the we're pointing to things that that we already know to be true and then we look back and we find those living in the revelation of the tabernacle people can do all kinds of things with types and we could say oh yeah yeah well this gate is uh, scarlet uh, that means sin and uh, purple well that's the uh, uh, whore of babylon and uh, and you know we could do all kinds of things we're not looking at that and then extrapolating to uh, uh, an understanding we have the understanding and we're seeing that god has illustrated what we already know to be true by the tabernacle and that's the only way you can work with types uh, but it helps us to see the the plan and purposes of god we have a couple of minutes. If there are any more questions before we move on to this, that you are standing as a righteousness of God when we come through Jesus Christ. Amen. Not of works, lest any man should vote. Yes, good. Excellent thought. The reason the whore decked as uh, she is is because the, she's seeking to convince people that she is this. That it's not the... Uh, it may not be... Uh, you don't need to come through Jesus by faith. You can come through the Roman Catholic Church. Yes, amen. All you have to do is uh, get baptized, join the church. 
bow down to the Pope, and you're in. See, and that's a deception and a lie. But that's what I thought for a year because I was a Catholic, I was in, no problem. But it's only through Jesus. Doesn't matter what church you go to. This isn't the Foursquare Church either. Amen. Anybody else? Sister? Okay. Um, this. Let me say too. It also relates to the uh, the the flags that set around the camp. Uh, there's, a, there's an ox head, a man's head, uh, and a, a, a crown, and something else. And it's always, uh, commentators have always felt that, uh, that blue, uh, or, or that the Gospels, let me, let me do it this way. We've got Matthew, uh, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, why four Gospels? And uh, so many commentators have said that the reason this is Jesus as uh, the king, uh, Mark is Jesus <coughs> as uh, the uh, um, servant that uh, Luke is the son of man. This is written to, uh, to the Greek mindset and that John is a son of God. And so we have here the purple. We have here uh, the white of, of a servant. We have here uh, the uh, uh, red and we have here the blue. And it also refers to, if you look at the flags that are around, you've got uh, each tribe, each quarter of the tribe. They're symbolized by another thing that, uh, of, those, of those three. Okay? All right. Good. Uh, you're dismissed. The Lord bless you.